Well, it was a pretty good weekend for me this weekend. I uh, was able to get a few things done with my basement. Um, when you've got four kids, it's kind of hard to even get anything done in, at all. So uh, the fact that I was able to get some of the stuff done, get some, you know, just get arranged, um, was uh, pretty, uh, re uh, I don't say relaxing, uh, satisfying. Um, well, not really satisfying because I still didn't get... I'm still not, I haven't done the things I want to do, I'm just ready to do the things that I'd like to do. Um, I got my workbench cleaned off, there was a whole bunch of junk on there, by, by junk I mean just like parts and stuff, that um, you start working on some project and then the kids start screaming and you go running out of the basement to see what's going on, and uh, they're fighting over something, not really, my kids don't fight, they're actually pretty good, but I mean, there's just something silly, you know, and uh, so... Um, I end up just, you know, abandoning something in the middle of doing it, and then uh, I have to fix something else in the house, and so it ends up happening is you get all these stuff sitting on top of your workbench, and so I, uh, excuse me if I'm going to sneeze, um, so I got that cleaned off, and my shop vac wasn't working, and, and uh, so it just stopped working one day, I just went to turn it on, and nothing happened, and uh, so I took it apart on Saturday. And uh, when I opened it up, a uh, one of my kids had stuck a, a pegboard hook in the vent somewhere, and it must have stopped the motor from spinning. And that burned out a fuse inside the motor. And uh, I got to tell you something: if you have a, uh, um, a Black and Decker who makes them, no, shop back, shop back, shop back, shop back, back, um, this might be helpful to you. Um, inside the shop back, if you take it apart and you get to the motor portion of it, um, you'll find that there is a, this fuse, and it does not look like any fuse you've ever seen. Um, it's like a little metal, I'm not metal, it's a little white plastic rec rectangular cube, and there's two um, copper uh, uh, pieces that fit in there that the wires are connected to, to. and uh, they kind of look similar to the, like the the spades that would be on a wall plug, you know, like if you were to plug something in the wall, except for they're, they're oriented so they're both, uh, uh, you know, 90 degrees from what the normal position would be, and uh, in they're inserted in, into this piece of plastic, and there's a spring in there that kind of holds them in place, and then the fuse is a piece of metal or carbon or something like that that goes across and makes contact with both of them. Now, um, so... I, it took me a while to actually find that that find it. Not the huge amount of time, but I, I figured out that was a fuse just by using my continuity test on my meter to find out where the uh, electricity was not getting to the motor. And uh, so I found that fuse, and and there's no rating on it. It doesn't say how many amps it is. There's nothing, and you know it's it's unique in the way it's designed, so you can't replace it. Now I could have put in uh, um, like one of those. Uh, glass tube f f uh, fuses, um, I probably would put like a, probably like a 15 amp or a 10 amp in there or something like that, um, to see what the motor's amperage is, um, but I decided to just not even bother, and I just bypassed the fuse altogether, um, now that might not be the best idea for you guys out there, I'm not going to recommend that you do that, but um, when I did that, what I did is I just took and um, I stripped the because it's just that copper wire that has like almost like polyurethane coat on it. 
and I just scraped it off so they were um, they could make contact. I twisted the two wires together, and then I used uh, my. But at this time, I had cleaned off my workbench yet, so my my soldering iron was buried underneath a bunch of junk, and so I uh, used my map gas torch and I just heated it up. And, you know, gotta be careful because you can melt the wire with that. So I was holding it just to the edge of it, and uh, and I was and I soldered it with some solder. Uh, put the motor back together, then covered that with some duct tape. Put the motor back together, and uh, turned on. Um, another thing I was going to uh, tell you guys is that I'm trying today. I'm actually recording with uh, different software on my Android phone. I'm using Record Forge, and uh, with that software, I can actually record at a higher sampling rate. Um, so I'm recording at uh, 2200 kilohertz. Um, I could do it 44, um, but one of the things I notice is you, you probably hear a little bit of a like a little uh, ticking sound, ticky electronic crackle tickle ticking sound in the background, and uh, um, it actually becomes more noticeable at the 4400 kilohertz level. It's really not noticeable at all at um, at the you know I think geez I think it was recording at eight kilohertz uh, um, in the other software I was using, which is just using like the native recording essentially on an Android phone, and uh, so this should sound a little bit better. I'm still using the this kind of just cheapo headset on my phone. Um, I did pick up this weekend. I got some uh, uh, connectors at Radio Shack, and I was thinking about actually wiring in a good microphone um, and a small amplifier right into the car so I could record and uh, would sound as good as possible. Um, it obviously won't get rid of the road noise and my car is kind of noisy in the first place because of Saturn. Um, so you can, when you're driving down the road, you can hear the sound and stuff. Um, but obviously this is just kind of just something I can do um, to make it sound better. Um, I'm not this, you know, this podcast, I mean, you can see there's no particular format to it, and there's no planning that goes ahead ahead of it. I'm just, I'm on a daily drive, and uh, it's uh, just something to do while I'm driving, kind of keep my mind off of, uh, or just, just, just talk about the things that I'm doing. Um, I'm sure probably some of you guys have listened to it and just stopped listening to it, but I'm just trying it out, see how long I can do it for, see if anybody's interested in it. I've, I got a few subscribers already, I got... Um, over, tw- I've got close to 30 subscribers now, so that's interesting. And uh, another thing to talk about is that I, I've set this up so that this is in um, in Stitcher, and I also entered it into iTunes. And I don't know if it's actually in iTunes or not because um, I the way this this uh, uh, podcast is set up is I have the MP3 files. I've uploaded them to archive.org, and then I put them into Blogger. And uh, and so when I put them in the blogger, <coughs> that creates an RSS feed by default. But the RSS feed is not like a podcast format, friendly format to begin with. So I then put that into FeedBurner, another one of Google's products. And uh, the thing is, though, is that when I put it in, the managing editor setting uh, email address for the podcast um, is no reply at blogger.com. And then it has my name in parentheses. And so I don't know if that's going to be set up properly or not. I, I did some, as much as I could to set it up better. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens as a, you know, as I, I can't, I don't have iTunes. I mean, I, all my computers at home are all Linux computers. Um, I do have a, a one Windows 90, uh, Windows XP computer 
but it's, it's really old and slow. Um, it's mainly just there to run some soft, uh, uh, software for my wife's uh, embroidery sewing machine. And uh, that's it. Um, to run anything like iTunes on it, it would be it would just bring it to a complete screeching halt. So I'm not going to be installing iTunes on that. Um, but it's I'm just it's an experiment. Going to try it out. Um, the other thing was is I wanted to set it up so that it was using my my domain that I have with Blogger, and it's it's a little annoying because just as when I started this podcast up, um, <laughs> the, the exact day um, Google disabled the ability to set your own domain for your uh, bloggers, uh, your blogger blogs, and so, like, I have my, my main blog is highlaurie.com, and then I have one for that portable NES I made a long time ago, and that's any, uh, nespblog.tylaurie.com, and there's the other site that's just for it, this is nesp.tylaurie.com, then I had, um, so I've got all these subdomains off of my main domain, and I, was, I wanted to make it podcast.tylaurie.com, so... I've already started the podcast, obviously, so I don't know if I can switch it and do the redirects properly so that everything keeps working, because this is already in Stitcher, um, but we'll see. And hopefully, by the time this podcast comes off, Stitcher will update and we'll have my uh, icon that I have set and stuff like that, so there's a little bit more information. It just doesn't have a generic uh, uh, gray speaker icon when you look at the podcast. Um, yeah, so, and I also got my vlog looking a little bit decent, a little more decent. I just used some default uh, theme that came with it, and I didn't change the theme other than to just add a banner image and uh, a couple other elements to it. Um, I don't really see the need for that, because essentially I'm just using Blogger to act to make my RSS feed, and I could do that manually, but I just don't have the time to do that either, so it's, it's uh, you know, it's hard enough to even find the time to upload these things to archive.org, so... Um, like sometimes I might do it after work, I might do it in the evening, or I might do it first thing in the morning, depending what's going on. Um, I also found that when I upload my RSS, upload my MP3s, I'm recording two, one in the morning and one in the evening, on the drive home. And uh, Stitcher only picks up one of the two, because they're both added at the same time. So what I'm doing, since I have this record board software, I can put them together as one, uh, one audio file. So from now on, the podcast is going to be uh, one uh, one uh, recording for the morning and the evening, um, which will be easier anyway, so you don't have to switch. Um, but it's kind of nice having two because then you could the subject I'm talking about is a little bit more, you know, it's, it's going to be almost two hours long versus one hour. But you can always skip ahead, so you guys can figure that out. I mean, it's not like any portion of my podcast is better than any other part because I'm just rambling on, so... Just feel free to uh, turn me off whenever you want, or continue to listen, because I do have some information um, to talk, things to talk about, things that are interesting. Um, I was watching a little bit of the of the, uh, the Wii presentation, uh, Wii U pre- presentation on YouTube, um, um, and I only watched a little bit, and then I was, I was actually, I was actually disappointed watching it because, um, so. You know, Reggie came out and he was showing. Uh, he went to show Nintendo Land, and I actually stopped watching it, so I didn't continue to watch it. But I was, I wanted to see this, uh, the Donkey Kong uh, Collision Course, I think it was called, in the Nite- inside Nintendo Land. And I was like, wow, that sounds great because it, it had the the graphics for the, the the logo had the girders 
from Donkey Kong. So I'm like, what is this going to be like? Is this going to be really cool? Is it going to be like you're playing Donkey Kong? Um, so I'm, I was really excited about that. And then they go to show some of Nintendo Land, and the first thing they show is uh, Metroid Blast. And I'm watching this, and I'm just like, man, this game sucks. It's horrible. It doesn't, it barely even looks like, I mean, it, it's like Metroid uh, Prime, but not from the visor perspective. You're running around, and so it looks nothing. It, if anything, it looks like, um, oh, what was the game Rare made for the N64? Something Jet, um, oh, it was Jet something. And, I, and, of course, the first thing I think every time I think Jet, I think of Jet Grind Radio, which was a pretty cool game. Um, Jet Force Gemini. Um, it, it's, it looks a lot like Jet Force Gemini. The graphics look actually really primitive on, on the thing. I don't see what people are excited about when they look at this. I mean, it doesn't look any different than a GameCube game. As a matter of fact, I mean, it just doesn't look all that exciting. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused about why people are so excited about this Wii U and saying it's going to be so much better. I mean, granted, it does have HDMI output on it, and so it's going to be at a higher resolution. But when you look at it, the, the game itself doesn't look it doesn't look any better than a GameCube game does, or or a Wii or a Wii game. So so that that was that was a little surprising. So that, I just stopped watching it because I'm just like, what am I looking at here? I'm just watching some crappy, and it, it is. It does not look. It doesn't make me think of Metroid, and it doesn't look like it's all that fun either. I'm I'm trying to see what is so exciting about this game. If anything, it looks like they took the Kid Icarus game for the 3DS and just changed the theme on it. Um, so you're, one person plays on the on the Wii Pad, Wii U Pad, whatever you call that thing, that monstrosity, monstrosity huge controller, um, which I, I just see this thing. Uh, maybe there'll be a lot of people that buy it initially, or maybe not. The price is just so high on, the, on it. Um, I just, I don't see it as being a big seller. I mean, I could be wrong, um, you know, and to be honest with you, I kind of hope it doesn't sell because it's such a, it's such a piece of garbage. It really is, and it's, it, they're just selling the same old crap over and over again. So, really, Nintendo needs to, uh, think about what they're doing because it's, it's as if what they thought, they were sitting in a room and they said, okay, so now we've got the Wii, and we've got the 3DS, and we've got the DS, so how can we make the DS in the home system? And so they made, they came up with this controller that that's a touchscreen controller, and I, I don't see where the appeal to it is. It's it's bizarre, and not only that, they don't give you controllers with the Wii U. You're supposed to use your old Wii controllers on it. Now um, that's fine, but you know what's going to happen is people are going to trade in their Wiis, and when you trade in the system, you got to trade in the controller, and so that means you got to give up at least one of your controllers. So, uh, you know, I only have one controller for my Wii. Um, I, I didn't see the need to spend money on a second controller for it because we don't really play any multiplayer games on it anyways. Um, and so, so in other words, I mean, I wasn't going to trade it in. I'm not going to get the Wii U. I'm not going to trade anything in, so it doesn't matter anyway. So, um, but I just, I just think it's kind of... I think the reason they're not including a Wii controller with the Wii U is because... Their price point is so close. It's, I mean, at, at $399, I think that they're probably um, stretching what they want. Or, or maybe it's not. Maybe they... Because I don't know how much this Wii U is going to cost because it's, the specs are pretty dismal on it. It's not like it's a, a really high-end system. It's essentially just an improved Wii. 
<coughs> with a controller which has a screen on it. So, um, I think that probably most of the money is probably going into the controller. Um, but really, the screen itself, screens are cheap nowadays. So, I wouldn't say the screen is expensive. I don't know what makes this thing expensive um, from Nintendo's perspective. I don't. They don't. They haven't done any ana analysis on it to say if Nintendo's making money or losing on every Wii U they sell. Um, I kind of, I kind of, I got the feeling that they're probably not losing any money on them. Um, that they're not going to do that again. So that's why they they cut out the extra controller because they want that extra money. Um, and that's probably wise of them because people probably do have controllers. And uh, so, but yeah. So I, watching that, I was. I was just totally disappointed. I mean, I still want to see what Donkey Kong's Collision Course looks like. Um, what are some of the other games that are on that uh, Nintendo Land? Um, but because they actually are kind of original sounds to some of these games. Although the um, oh, there's a Zelda one, and I'm just wondering what is the Zelda one? Am I? Is it just? Is it like Four Swords, or is it an archery game like that Zelda archery game that came with the with the Wii? Um, I mean, not to come with it, but it was one of the things that came with was the Wii Motion Controller. I don't, I forget what it, what they sold that with, um, but it, they're they're all they're all like kind of like mini game attractions and stuff. So I, I, I want to see some more of it. I still do, but that Metroid game was not one that I was excited about. I was, um, I just I was really disappointed with it. They could have done something more with it. Um, it would have been kind of cool if it was. Um, if they made it so there was maybe like a side view perspective, like the original Metroid was, because this this three three D mode it, it it doesn't feel like Metroid. I mean, yeah, it's like Prime, but it's like any other first person shooter. So you're just playing some first person shooter game, except for the fact that you're only playing as one you know, you're playing as one person. Everybody else, um, you know, like one person is playing on. I, I don't, they didn't show more than two people playing in the demo. I wonder what happens when you if you have, um, you know, more than more than two playing and you've got the controller because the it, it was really kind of crappy i mean you, you guy just flying around on a on a ship on, on the on the uh, samus's ship i don't i don't know it just yeah bleh um yes and the presentation was really bad i mean reggie is not steve jobs and i'm not an apple fan person but steve did do a good presentation when he did a presentation and uh it was it was kind of painful to watch reggie glare at the screen. <laughs> we just stare at the screen, and uh, that was interesting. Um, yeah, so... Uh, what else am I doing? What else am I going to do? Yeah, so I'm going to... As I said, I'm going to finish up the Donkey Kong uh, Jr. cabinet, getting that straightened out. I'll probably polish the control panel, get that overlay nice and smooth, and get those... Uh, just those two small uh, cigarette burns out. That should look pretty good. Um, and replace the, the front stickers on it, too, the, the price stickers. And uh, I might even swap out the coin mech uh, doors on it, or whatever you want to call it, the, the, part, the part where you put the coins in. Because I have, I have uh, four uh, coin mech covers that I bought. Um, two of them are for the, the Donkey Kong cabinet I'm building. Um, I've got a. I was able to find a coin, do an actual Nintendo coin door, but there were no mechs or anything on it. So, um, and it really don't need the mechs for this game. 
So what I was, what I did is I just got the coin door, just the outside part of the coin mech, not the actual mechanism behind it, and just put those on the coin door. So it looks pretty nice there. Um, it looks like, you know, it looks like as if there were a coin mech behind it. But there's, you put a coin, it's going to just drop into the, cake, the cabinet. Um, and, uh, so, and I could always put a switch on the rejects. I could make those switches. So I haven't, I haven't decided what I'm going to do. What? Because I have two extra ones that I bought, and the, the what I'm trying to decide is whether I'm going to keep the ones on the on the DK Junior and swap or swap them with the new new ones that have no scratches on them, or do it on my Cabaret. And I think I mean the the Junior is in such nice shape. It's so such perfect shape that it's like I want to kind of want to put them on that, but the the Cabaret is so unique, and I'm going to clean it up and it'll look really nice when I'm done. Um, that I want to put it on that one as well. Um, so I don't know where I'm, what, what was I going to put them on. But the ones on, on the Junior are in the best shape. They look the nicest. The ones on my um, on the Cabaret, the coin the coin return cups are actually cracked on one of them. And so I might I'm, I'm probably going to swap that one. I mean you could just swap the cup too. But the whole thing is you know the the uh, ones I picked up are like perfect shape. I mean there's there's no scratch in them because you get the kind of like wear. Um, like where it's kind of buffed around the coin insert area because people put coins in there and they kind of miss the first time and you kind of get a little bit of a like a circular area around the coin insert where it's worn um, and other ones you know are more scratched than others but the ones on the junior look great They're, they really have almost no wear on them um, so I'll probably just keep it like that um, so what else to talk about this morning um you know, besides getting some things cleaned up, oh, I fixed my soldering iron. Um, that was, I have a Weller with a, you know, it's like a soldering station. It's not the super high-end one, it's like the $80 soldering station. And the, uh, what happened was, is there's three screws that hold the iron part to the handle. And the one screw, like, cracked or broke off. Um, it didn't, I thought, first thought it kind of like melted out, but it didn't. It looks like it actually cracked, the piece of plastic cracked. And I don't know how that happened. It just probably because I've had that iron for 10 years now. I mean, I used that same iron to make my portable NES, which that's 11 years old now. Um, so it's pretty old and uh, it's still going strong. Um, it doesn't have like a real fine point on it. I mean, I can swap the point out. Um, but I, it's always done me. It's always done a good job for me. So what I did is I just uh, I had bent the the base of it, the metal that the, that where it screws on, and I just uh, fixed the bend in that, and I drilled out the the hole where the screw goes in to make it deeper in the base, and then I put a, another screw in there that was longer, and the first screw I put in was was too long and when I put it in it actually came through and was behind went through the handle and came out because it tapers in um, underneath the foam part of the of the handle and I and I was worried that I would get myself like it might burn myself with that so I pulled that one out and I put a, a screw that was kind of halfway between the two links of the original screw and the one I had put in there and that worked out well because it didn't poke through the other side and uh, so you can't I mean you can't tell that that it's been repaired other than the fact that the, the head of the screw that I put in there is slightly larger. It's like a, it's actually a screw that you would, if you took an NES apart, it's a case screw. That's what I used. So it's just a little bit larger than the original screw. It's about twice as long. 
the one I put in there was probably three times as long, so I, you know, it, was, it came out just perfect. So I got that all fixed, and I cleaned the tip on it, cleaned it up real nice, um, and I got my other iron. I have a Radio Shack soldering station one, too, and that's got a nice fine tip point on it, so if I'm doing any kind of SMD work, that might be good for doing that, um, but it's a really... The one thing I don't like about that Radio Shack iron is that it's so long. The iron itself is almost twice as long as my uh, my Weller, and so it's you're, it's kind of unwieldy because now you got this big, huge, long lever. So it's it's much more uh, it's harder to have a nice, fine control of it. The shorter the handle, the shorter the tip, the better, you know, in my opinion. So. Um, Yes, yeah, so I got that one straightened up, and I, I just kind of I cleaned my workbench up. I, I wiped it down, um, uh, used some uh, oil, wiped out my my bench, my vise, so that doesn't rust. Because I wiped the vise is just kind of covered with dust, and I wiped it with a wet cloth. And after I did that, I you don't want to just leave the water on the vise, so I used some spray. I sprayed some oil on it, and then wiped it off, wiped it down clean. It looks all nice, shiny, clean now. Um, most of the stuff I have that was on the workbench are parts. Like, I got these little parts from Radio Shack, and I've got all different screw bolt sizes for stuff, and and it's like, well, what do I do? I got all these screws, I got all these, like, I got, like, sockets, and resistors, and transistors, and, and capacitors, and diodes, and switches, and uh, it's like, it would be great to just have them all neatly organized, but there's just, there's not enough time in the day to do that. And uh, so what I do is I just have a I have a small bin that I keep in my my shelf, and I just put all the components in one bin, put all my screws in another one, and when I need them, I'm gonna have to dig through it, which is really annoying, but you know it's it's what you got to do when when you're trying to uh, keep things organized. At least that way it's it's organized. All right, so I'm getting close to work. I'm going to stop now for the uh, morning podcast, and I'll be back shortly with the afternoon podcast okay guys and it's the afternoon section of this podcast and uh, it's Ty talking with you again um, I had a good day today um, during my lunch I did check out uh, Donkey Kong uh, uh, collision course and uh, or crash course I think it was Donkey Kong crash course and uh, it was interesting looking um, not what I was thinking it was going to be at all just based on the uh, the graphic artwork that I'd seen of it, I was expecting something um, where you play as Mario, but really what it is is you just have this little trolley that you move along on girders. I don't know what the point, um, what happens when you get it to the end. Uh, it looks like it's pretty hard, but it might be fun. I, I think it's strange though, this whole tilting the controller. It's like playing Labyrinth. On, uh, like you ever played that old wooden Labyrinth game that you uh, turn the knobs to tilt the play field. Um, that is uh, what it kind of reminds me of quite a bit. It's uh, It seems like it might be fun, although it also just, I don't know, if, it, if, it's on, if it's on par with how much fun Tetris was on the three, on the DS, um, that was a lot of fun, and it was, it's a simple game. Um, so I, I'm going to give it a, I'm not going to judge it negatively. Um, I did see some of the other attractions in, in Nintendo Land, and it, it doesn't really do it for me, though, at the same time. It just seems like, a, I don't know, like they're smoking crack at Nintendo or something. Um, they're just milking their their properties to the very maximum they can do. I mean, why don't they just make another Donkey Kong game? Everybody wants Donkey Kong. 
mean, everybody loves Donkey Kong. You know, if they just made... Not, I'm not talking Donkey Kong Country. I'm talking about the arcade Donkey Kong. They could make some really cool game um, they could put out. I think, I think it would be very popular with people. Especially with uh, the King of Kong movie. Um, the attention that, that kind of brought back to the game. Uh, I think some kids these days might actually find it interesting. Um, which is kind of why I made, uh, I'm making this uh, Donkey Kong 94 cabinet. is because... That game is like the real, the only sequel to Donkey Kong Nintendo ever made. I mean, they made Donkey Kong and they made Donkey Kong Jr. And then that's it. Then it was, they just kind of abandoned it and went to, you know, Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers. It's kind of like an evolution. And, uh, but Donkey Kong never had his own sequel to the game. And it's funny that I should say that, you know, I would love a sequel to Donkey Kong. And meanwhile, Nintendo just makes sequels to sequels on sequels. But that's one game that just barely had any attention to it, except for Don Donkey Kong 94, which just was a phenomenal game. And I think that they could make another Donkey Kong game, similar to what they did with Donkey Kong 94. I think it would be really... people would really like that. I mean, I'm not... I don't count those mini-games, the, uh, the mini Mario games, whatever those things are. Because while it looks like Donkey Kong 94, it's a completely different game that you're playing. Um, it's kind of lost what Donkey Kong is, and now you're playing his little wind-up toys. It's kind of like that Pokemon uh, Rumble game, where it's, you're not playing as the Pokemon, you're playing as uh, little wind-up Pokemon game, uh, machines. Um, yeah, so that's that's it. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what Nintendo's thinking. I really don't. Um, getting back to what I was talking about earlier is my, it's kind of occurred to me lately that playing playing I have my Donkey Kong and I have a Donkey Kong Jr. that I actually play the Junior more than I do the Donkey Kong. And I'm not sure, you know, what the difference is between the two games, but it it seems to be that well I I did like like the the Donkey Kong Jr. as much as I liked Donkey Kong back in the day. Or I don't know. I don't know what I felt about him. But you know, when I played on the NES, I actually played I played, played Donkey Kong more than I played Junior when I had because I had that cartridge that had both of them on it. Um, but the arcade one, I actually played Junior. I, I'm actually pretty good at it too. I'm not as good as other people are, but um, but you know, it's it's a fun game to play. You know, and I have two two Donkey Kong cabinets, but one of them I've converted to a Play Choice Ten. Actually, was a Play Choice Ten. I've just I just um, cleaned it up. So I was going to turn it back into a junior, but that was before I got the free, uh, complete Donkey Kong Jr., so there was really no point in converting it back at that point. Um, obviously, the afternoon portion of the podcast is a little bit slower paced than the morning one. Um, I think it's just because I've been up for a while and doing a lot of thinking. Um... One of the things I was thinking uh, about is... Well, it looks like I lost my microphone on the way home, so the uh, podcast is cut short, even though I talked quite a bit all the way home. Um, that's what happens when you can't look at things while you're actually recording. So um, hopefully that won't happen again tomorrow, and uh, sorry about the podcast being cut off.